Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub in the Bloom, episode 10. Going to talk about some recent news, some pitchers mulligans, which are always fun to talk about, some weekend matchups, and much, much more to get you ready for the upcoming fantasy baseball action. You can find myself on Twitter at BDentric, and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, my friend? Fantastic. It was a momentous day today. You sent me a text uh, earlier this afternoon. Saying, hey, Southwest has a deal for Phoenix, and we secured at least one one way, the way there, our 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 tickets for our airplane tickets for uh for first pitch Arizona in November. So that is always an awesome uh thing to look forward to. So I know we'll we'll probably talk about it a bunch uh leading up to it, but at least got uh at least got the the one-way ticket. So that's super exciting. Got some good deals with Southwest. So I appreciate the, uh, the heads up, my friend. No problem. No problem. I tweeted it out too. I told people like, if hey, this is like um, one thing like I told people would, you know, like I can't afford the trip or I can't do that. I get it. It, it you know, airfare is not cheap and everything. But if you start spreading it out, starting now, it makes it a lot easier than one large chunk later. That's the way I look at it. So if you can start putting it together, it works very well. By the time you're listening to this, sales probably over. Sorry, but um, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if not, there'll be more to come because we'd love to have you out there. It's a it's an awesome time. We talked about it before, and like Ryan said, we will talk. We will exhaust you guys on it by the time it actually happens because it is actually what people say it is. It's awesome. So we will yeah, do all that. It is. More. It is. And I have I have no skin in the game. I don't make I don't make money from it. I just want to see people hang yeah. out with them. And and yeah, so it's it's good to get that ticket. And I've got I've got like what five months to 
build up some parent points and take the kids for some nights and you know kind of kind of kind of get get some points on my side before i before i head out for a few days so um i'm excited i do need to remember one of the years i forgot i always for whatever reason i typically just book like two one ways i forgot to return book my return flight and i realized like two days before i was going to arizona that i had never booked a flight back which um I mean, wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, but would have been tough to break that news to the wife. But, yeah. I I've, always said I, I've always said I want to retire in Scottsdale. So if that's the, the way it happens, so be it. Like we, so we can it. make this happen. But uh, got to yeah. remember that this year, flight back. Well, well trust me, I, something tells me I'll be texting you when another sale comes on to uh, to get the, the flight back. We'll, we'll figure something out, but we have plenty of time for that. That is in the first week in November for those that keep track at home. So plenty of time to uh, get you guys ready for that. But let's talk about some recent news. And as usual, it's usually not good news. That's just the way things go. And Tyler Stevenson, who's been actually one of the more productive catchers in baseball this season, got hit in the hand on a foul ball, I believe. Fractured hand out four to six weeks. This is devastating. Like, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. But it's a big blow. They called up Chris Oakey, who's been hitting in the minors uh, decently right now. So uh, what's your thoughts on this Cincinnati Reds situation? It's brutal. I mean, yeah, you were saying, Bubba, Stevenson's been 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 fantastic. He really has. He was our, for HQ so far this season, he's our number two catcher overall behind uh, Wilson Contreras. Um, five homers, 309 batting average, 21 runs, and 31 RBI from uh, ADP of like 140. He's going like maybe ninth, tenth round as a catcher. That's um, – that is a lot of production that you're losing. It's going to be interesting. Like I don't have Stevenson anywhere. Uh, what the decision is with him cut or hold. Um, I am glad I don't have to make that decision because it's a, uh, it's a tricky one because that's a lot of production that you're losing. But I mean, I mean, in terms of like replacements, there's, there's really nothing here. I mean, Cincinnati is spread so thin already. They basically have, have gutted this team for this season. It looks like it's going to be um, a Ramos Garcia filling in and that is not who you want to target even in a two catcher league um guy has like a 30 35 strikeout rate in the minors with some power but um i just can't see that minor league strikeout rate carrying over too well uh as a catcher so i would probably just avoid the cincinnati uh catching situation right now unless it's a really good week for streaming so yeah, I remember Aramis Garcia was one of the Giants' top catching prospects at one point in time before Joey Bart showed up. I saw him in uh, San Jose. He's a masher. Once he kind of got to double and triple A, the strikeout started coming in bunches. It was yeah. one of those things where the, the talent changed, and now he's been with the A. He's been like on four different teams since the Giants, just kind of making his way around. So he's got some pop, and in that ballpark, you never know. Like in deep, deep leagues, I could see he's got a pulse. Let's put it that way. It's just not pretty, like you said. You don't want to go there. I'm curious to see what they do with this, Chris. I, I hope I'm okay. It could be okay. I don't know. It's O-K-E-Y. I apologize now. Gotta but he was hitting pretty. Yeah, I would think. I think okay too. But he's uh, been hitting pretty decently in AAA. So maybe it's more a platoon thing, something to keep an eye on. But yeah, it's 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 uh it's rough. But on the bright side, this is what you call a transition in the game. There is a catching target you can add this week, and he's in the form of the Toronto Blue Jays and Gabriel Moreno because Danny Jansen goes down with an injury and it sucks because every time Jansen starts to hit, he gets hurt. It's just like, we're waiting, we're waiting. They're making it work with Kirk DHing and catching. Jansen's still getting a lot of playing time. He's very productive. Uh, so Gabriel Moreno gets called up, big-time prospect in the, uh, the, the J system. 
and a, you'd have to imagine he's taking Jansen's role essentially. But uh, how are you looking at this? I know I saw a thread with you and Jeff Erickson. I believe it was an AL Labor that you guys have some um, catchers to discuss. So, what's your thoughts on Gabriel Moreno? Yeah, so Erickson, it's uh, it's mixed labor, so fifteen team mixed. Erickson had uh, Tyler Stevenson, and I've got Danny Jansen, and we were both lamenting the fact that the waiver wire on catchers is terrible, and it came up that yeah, Gabriel Moreno is going to be available this weekend, and it's. Kind of like that showdown now between me and Jeff. We both have that need. Who's going to uh, who's going to bid more aggressively on Moreno? Because it's um, I mean it's kind of weird. Like Moreno, he I mean so he was he is going to play. I mean he he was our number one overall uh, fantasy prospect uh, in Toronto, and we gave him an eight A rating. So for 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 those of you not familiar with the HQ ratings, 8A basically means you have a super high floor and a chance to be pretty good, like 8 out of 10 on your upside and, and an A grade for your floor. So um, we really like the the skills that for it's the plate skills, really, uh, fantasy-wise, that that are interesting to me. The, the strikeout rate has been great at uh, AAA this year, 17%, 15% in AA last year. He walks a ton um we'll see about the power that's the one thing where like with moreno i don't know how much power he's going to bring to the table had eight homers in double a 145 plate appearances last year just one homer in 150 plate appearances in triple a so that and the fact that just typically catchers it's just such an adjustment to not only learn major league hitting but also have to pick up your own rotation because i do think moreno is going to catch uh, more often than not he may he made the h every now and then um typically that transition is really tough and bubby i mean you just mentioned joey bart uh just got sent down and was like i mean the the catching prospect um so i i need to think about it a little bit more i don't know i don't know if jeff's listening to the pod but um, I may be, I might be a little tepid in my bidding for Moreno and not go all out and maybe go more of like a streaming uh, schedule thing for, for catchers. I just don't know if that, that power is going to translate for Moreno and just in general, like that transition from minors to majors for a catcher is, uh, is really tough compared to your typical position player. Two things. I'm 100% positive Jeff is not going to listen because he's in Ireland on a family vacation doing way more important things than listen to our show. It's but, a long uh, flight. Yeah, it's true. You never know. But um, secondly, I'm kind of with you on this one. Like the prospect's cool. We've seen the crash and burns from so many. Like we've talked about it before. Some pay off great. Some don't. Most don't. And especially in the catcher's world. It's it's gnarly. Even Adley Rushman, like besides the triple on his first game, I haven't heard a lot of Adley Rushman buzz. I couldn't even, I haven't even looked at his numbers, but I'll tell you this much. He's not really talked about often. So he's not lighting the world on fire. It's just one of those things like, especially at the catcher's position, they're more concerned about learning, learning how to call a baseball game. Like, cause that's not what you do in college. Like there's so many little things that they have to figure out to do. So um, that's a big move. I think you can stream. Like I know it's 15 teams. So it's really bad, but like, even Kirk Casali has been somewhat serviceable. Yes. Uh, Cal Raleigh. Cal Raleigh has been serviceable. Uh, you can find guys out there. It's not great by any means. And some weeks might just be better taking the zero from Danny Jansen than, uh, than the alternative. But uh, there's options that I think I'd rather save money for something else. I'm kind of with you on that one. It's uh, not the uh, – some people and, – and like I always say with prospects, someone's going to like them way more than you. So, like, don't stress about it type thing. <laughs> Ad- Adley Rutschman, uh, 61 plate appearances, hitting 145, five runs, zero RBI, and obviously zero home runs. 
and that's Adley Rutschman. So, I mean, that's, I mean, obviously just case by case, but, but yeah, there's a lot more potential for this to go bad, I think, than, um, than good. That said, so I am kind of talking myself out of him. Uh, that said, prospect pedigree in that lineup at yeah. catcher, like, I mean, I, I get it. Um, it's kind of interesting. Toronto also has, I mean, Zach, they called up Zach Collins, and yep. Zach Collins is on the roster. There, I think, unless they send him back down. No, he was still there. He hit a home run yesterday. I'm, I have, let me check roster resource for today. Yeah, but I think he's still he, up. So like, they might yesterday. have three catchers. And they did that for a while. They, they'd have Zach Collins DH. And then rotate Jansen and Kirk, but now Kirk's hitting so well. Uh, yeah, Zach Collins is still up there. He's got to be the. I mean, I don't see them calling up Moreno and not playing him. But. No, no, it's, uh, so that'll be interesting how that oh, plays yeah, out. They called him up. They haven't had a game since they called him up. So uh, Friday will be a, a fun telltale sign of uh, where that one's going to go. Because like you said, you don't call up a big time prospect to sit him. That's like that's why Joey Bart got sent back down. It's like you need to play every day and figure it out. You're not playing up here every day, so go. Um, insert Rockies joke here, but yes, in general, absolutely. Valid point. Valid point. Uh, let's go to the Boston Red Sox here. Enrique Hernandez is out uh, at least 10 days with a hip flexor injury. Hip, uh, anything with a hip flexor joint, anything does not make me happy, especially with a guy that you're hoping to get a little speed from. Um, it might be minor. Uh, you never know, though. So, And he's had a disappointing season so far. Uh, any thoughts on Enrique and the Red Sox? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just rough timing. He was starting to heat up a little bit, um, and and injury comes at the wrong time. It, I mean, it looks like looks like Franchi Cordero is going to get even more playing time um, for for better or for worse. Franchi does have three homers, hitting two thirty, uh, but at least going to play every day against right-handed pitching. So he would stand to um, gain the most from Kike going down, but only in kind of matchup heavy right hand heavy weeks would I think about going back to uh back to old Franchi. So um outside of that, I mean it's it's JBJ and 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 Verdugo kind of locked in um the other two uh outfield slots. So um a lot of Franchi and maybe some Christian Arroyo when they play face lefties not too excited in uh either one. Yep, matchup plays pretty much and the fact they didn't call up Jaron Duran again like they did when uh, JBJ went down Kind of makes me wonder on that whole situation yeah, yeah. as well. So that'll be interesting to follow. Uh, Alex Cobb, uh, I think, said it preseason that all these guys on the Giants are going to go on the IL at some point in time. And here's Alex Cobb's Lisa's first trip, 15-day IL, retroactive to June 4th when he got scratched um, with a neck strain. I don't know what to think about this one because they didn't put him on right away. They think it's almost like they thought they could make it work. And then they realized, you know what, it's been long enough. We need to go on the IL. We need more arms in the bullpen. Go figure it out. Get fixed. We'll see. Maybe the next what made him the most unlucky pitcher in baseball. I don't know. But um yeah, he's gonna be out for another, you know, week probably. Yeah, it was rough. We talked about Cobb like during our episode on the like kind of the trifecta of bad luck, and he was the one. And I remember even saying it was like, Yes, he is pitching way better than the results would show, but how much time is he actually that is he gonna have with regression to kick in and and, and actually have those luck factors catch up and, and kind of even out? And yeah, it turns out that injury bug has hit. So um, it sucks. I think Alex Cobb's still actually a really good pitcher. Um, hopefully the time off just kind of helps him reset and 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 get his thing together. I, I, I think Jacob Junis is, is pretty entrenched now in the rotation. Yeah. Actually pitched really well his last time out. Um, I think had eight strikeouts. I forget who he faced, but... Um, it was Miami. Was it Miami? He, he looks good. Like he, I mean, he's, there's a slider like 60% of the time. 
uh, but pitching deep enough into games. And it looks like in 12 teamers, Junis is like 70, 72% rostered in 12 teamers. So in, in your 12 team and your 10 team leagues with good matchups, I think Junis is a, a really good fill. And I know he was kind of in the rotation before, but he's definitely cemented right now. Do you know, I mean, you're the giants guy, any, any, anyone in triple a that, that uh, no, you're shaking your head. No. So. That's, there's uh, there's a couple guys that might get their chance here and they're like sammy long might get another shot and some other guys mm-hmm. but nothing that's jumping out because they let bd go so there's nothing that really jumps out to me unless they want to make a big splash for some of their prospects they're like in double a that are pitching really well i just don't think that's what they're that's not what farhan's doing right now he's still yeah. waiting about a year or two so i have those pieces together if they're in contention they might trade for a guy like or sign you know ja hap or something like it, that's just what that's a giants types thing that's what they'll do so one thing uh, I wish, man, and I, I, I know I'm still holding on to false hope here, uh, is they got Matt Boyd. I know he's on the IL, but like, man, is it All Star break with him? I think I, I believe he's on the 60 day, but I think it is roughly around the All Star break where he might um, make it back. So yeah, I don't know. Nice. Someone who's been no, that's someone who has, a good who's call. obviously been pretty good. So I'm, yeah, he's throwing live bag, batting practice as of last week. So. Well, that's what he does most of the time, so it's okay. Ooh. I'm sorry, I had to, I had to, but uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be intrigued. Let's put it that way. Uh, Steven Strasburg returned from the IL, made his first start of the season after thoracic outlet surgery, which is usually a death sentence for pitchers, but we'll see. Um, he came in through 83 pitches. His velocity was down compared to his norms, which you kind of expect after a surgery like that. Still had a 35% CSW, which is kind of promising. Especially I saw after the first inning, he had no whiffs at all. So he got a, a lot lot better as the game went on, let's put it that way. Uh, but all of his normal numbers you want to look at, if you want to get really geeky on it with the spins and stuff, it was all down from the norm. So something to keep in mind. But again, you also expect that from thoracic outlet surgery. So you have to be almost more of a pitcher than a thrower now. So we'll see where, where Strauss goes from here. But what are your thoughts after seeing this first go around? I know a lot of people already added him, so he's probably not available in deeper leagues. But is he a guy that's maybe worth giving a shot? Yeah, I mean, the shrewd pickup was to to grab him a couple weeks ago. I, I only watched the first inning. Uh, it was kind of at the end of my work day, so I had it on and uh, had him against Trevor Rogers. I can't keep my eyes off Trevor Rogers. I have no idea why. I'm a sucker for for punishment. He actually, he actually pitched pretty well today, but uh, Strasburg, yeah, the velocity down was, was not good. And what I saw, I mean, I only, again, this is just the bias of what you see. I saw that first inning where he had, I think it was 21, 22 pitches without a whiff. And and really at the end of the day, even though the, the uh, CSW, the called plus swing strike rate was 35%. He only had six whiffs on 83 pitches with that velocity. Um, it's concerning to me if, if this is actually where the velocity rests, like you said, this is his first game back in forever. Um, so maybe it's just a tune up and and it'll kind of be like a Zach Wheeler type of progression. I'm not saying he's going to be Zach Wheeler, but just that velocity kind of building back up, um, over time. So I don't know. Um, I I mean, if you, if you speculated on Strasburg, I would obviously hold him, but probably bench him until we get, uh, get, get either a good outing or, see a bump in in fastball velocity because i don't know if he could he used to be able to live at 97 98 you know earlier in his career um and blow people away then it went down to about 94 95 when he was elite in 2018 2019 he learned to pitch with a 94 95 mile an hour fastball can he do it at 91 92 that's a whole other level a 91 92 mile an hour fastball is a lot easier to hit than 94 yeah, 95 it's batting practice for these these guys that's why it gets a little trickier now so 
We'll see. I, like, he's always fun to watch when he's on, but uh, it's a different straw. So we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, a couple more here. Heimer Condelario goes to the IL with a shoulder injury that he hurt diving for a ground ball. That's not good, especially for a guy whose power I thought would be better this year, and it has not shown up at all. And now you throw a shoulder injury into the mix. Yeah. Um, he was probably already dropped in many leagues because the production was so bad. He's 100% a drop for me now. I see Harold Castro is penciled in to play third base. That does nothing for me. So uh, what's your thoughts on this situation? Yeah, don't don't slander my my AL tout reserve. Hey, in your Harold deeper Castro. leagues like that, then yes, he's got a pulse. Like, in, your, in, your, in your 16 team <laughs> AL only. Um, yeah, he it, he doesn't do much for. I always get him obviously confused with Willie Castro, who's obviously a lot more fantasy relevant, leading off and that sort of thing. But yeah, it looks like it's going to be Harold Castro for the foreseeable future. I mean, hitting 281, four homers and 119 plate appearances, like that's not. That's not that bad. Barrel rate's almost 10%. So um, I'm going to put him in, in Tout Wars, in a 15-teamer, probably probably passing on Harold Castro, even in like a corner infield situation. So not uh, not too much. Uh, disappointing to see Heimer Candelario. Uh, a lot of really smart people on him uh, this season. And like you mentioned, Bubba, shoulders just scare the crap out of me. Um, what will that power look like when he gets back? Yeah, I, I was one of those that wrote articles telling you to save your draft capital and pick up Heimer Candelario this year. Like I, I believed all the doubles we saw. I was like, okay, it's the next step. He's gonna, and it's just, it's been dreadful, dreadful. So maybe he's a buy low next year. But that's a whole other conversation for another time. We'll see how that one plays out. Uh, last piece of news here for now: Bailey Ober to the IL with a groin injury. This was a tough one because. Some people either really love him or you just don't want to do with Bailey Ober, but uh, he's got his good – he's very streamable. Let's put it that way. Very streamable at times. Uh, what's your thoughts on Ober? Because this uh, Twins rotation, it's been, I think, better than people expected, but it's still kind of got some questions. Then they were like the best team in the Central right now, which is pretty crazy. we got Bundy, Smeltzer, Cole <laughs> Sands, and Chris Archer. They don't even have a fifth starter listed right now. So it, it's ugly. I mean, this this is like rinse, repeat. Every episode we talk this plink, about... This is like Plunkenton stuff. <laughs> it is. Who, who I did watch today and does exist. And I unfortunately almost wish he didn't after today. That was brutal. Uh, but yeah, another podcast, another twin starter injury. I mean, it was, it was, it's over. It was Paddock. It was Sonny Gray before that. Like, I, I don't know how they're doing it. Chris Archer's now going five innings at least and gets a two step next week. First one's at Seattle. So maybe that's, um, I don't know. Maybe that's a thing in super deep leagues, but this rotation's in shambles, man. Even like Devin Spelter, I know he has been, uh, he has been great on the surface, and I actually tweeted this out before he even survived Toronto uh, this week. But like at some point, we're getting the Devin Smeltzer give back game a 193 RA, 464 XFIP. Like, I don't, I don't know how long the Twins are going to stay in contention with this rotation. It's uh, at some point, it's going to start, it's going to start wearing out their bullpen and, and kind of go in shambles um unless they get some guys back here soon i know sunny gray is kind of on the on the rebound but um um, it's ugly in minnesota for sure yeah it's gonna be trouble quick because you can't you'd imagine the white Sox will get going eventually once they get healthy like they're too good not to be good type thing if that makes sense Mm-hmm. Um, and then these other teams, yeah, maybe not. So it's a, it's a bad division. At least it's, I think I saw a tweet that, um, someone said ban all divisions because the twins would be the fourth best team in the AL East. 
and wow. that tells you everything you need to know right there about the AL Central. <laughs> yeah. I'm still uh, I'm still tilting from. So this is the 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 trials and tribulations of having two steps. I picked up Dylan Bundy for his two step last week because he had at Detroit the first time, the first step, and then at Toronto uh, did not get the Toronto or did not get the Detroit win. So I knew. Toronto was not trouble go well and yep. spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop on so many Tuesday, like walk a th- complete game shutout this week against Anaheim. I'm waiting for that to screw up. Stripling was serviceable. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, there was a handful yeah. that like Pilkington weather, weather delay. So he only had up. one. Edward Cabrera wasn't bad, but now he's got a, a little trickier start over the weekend. Like, so there's, some fun ones to see how that all plays out. And that'll take us to a new segment that I think we're going to try to, uh, to develop as the weeks go on here. It's talking weekend matchups, talking about some of the best and worst schedules of the week and some hitters and pitchers to potentially target. We're going to play a game. Would you like to elaborate a little bit on what we are going to discuss in this segment that I think is going to be very beneficial for people that listen on Fridays before they set their lineups? Yeah, sure. Like, like, yeah. So, our, I mean, we record these every kind of late Thursday night uh, Pacific time. So it, it drops first thing Friday. You got all day Friday to kind of listen. I and I think that's probably when most people pick up the yeah. pod on Friday morning and and tune in. So throughout Friday, you're kind of looking at your lineups for the weekend, especially if, if you're in NFBC leagues. You can change out all your hitters for uh, for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then obviously daily leagues. Like you're looking at the series ahead. So. Um, let us know what you what you think of this. I mean, I thought I thought it'd be fun to kind of just look through the Friday through Sunday schedules, just at a high level, like a team level, a hitter level. Which which teams play the most? I mean, we'll we'll see a couple teams actually play four games this weekend, which have the which have the hardest matchup. So if you've got a guy who's very um, very fringe as a tiebreaker, you definitely want to look at matchups and see which pitchers they're facing, lefty righty, and quality of. Uh, opponent so i figured it, it it'd be kind of cool just to kind of go through the friday sunday schedule at least just like the outliers the ones that are really easy schedules the ones that are really tough schedules and then to kind of make it a little interactive we're each gonna pick one streamer for the weekend and streamer we're loosely defining as or actually tightly defining uh, but arbitrarily, I would say, defining um, guys who are less than 50% rostered in 12-team um, NFBC leagues. So if you're in kind of a casual league, a daily league, these are these are guys who I think might be available on your wires, and you can uh, root along with us for our pick. So we're going to pick a hitter and a pitcher each. Pitcher, we're going to look at the number of strikeouts. Hitters, we're going to look at the counting stats, hits, runs, and RBI. And I'm tracking this thing, man. I've got a little sheet here. We're going to yeah. put our picks in every week. And I don't know. We'll figure something out for what, what's on the line here. But yeah, that's the general gist. Yeah, something in FPAS. It'll be fun. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, like we won't go over every uh, setup here. But one easy way to kind of see, you know, some of the better matchups potentially is if you go to Baseball HQ and their uh, weekly probable batters. And like you said, the Friday through Sunday deal up here, and it, it stands out real quickly on who the better hitting matchups are. And then I look at the rotor wire thing, and it tells me, okay, these are the matchups who they're facing, and it makes more sense. You got the right righty lefties, and you know exactly who they are. And those scenarios, there's much more on the baseball HQ to break down for righties and lefties and stuff too to dig in on on all that good stuff. But the number one schedule this weekend, and to shock to not many, is the New York Yankees who face the Chicago Cubs, and um, yeah, the Yankees are hitting everybody right now. Now they're at home, and you get Wade Miley, 
Swarmer. Can't even pretend I know what his first name is. Um, and Marcus Stroman, who has been really bad. So this is like the recipe for complete success for your Yankees. Um, and before I give you the floor, I did not pick this guy as my hitter, and I almost did. And then I saw he went deep tonight. I'm just going to say it because I was all over him this year, and I've dropped him everywhere. Aaron Hicks is heating up, folks, and this is the perfect weekend to play Aaron Hicks if he is available out there for you. I'm just throwing that out there right now. I did not pick him. He was my second choice this week, and uh, he went deep again on Thursday night. So I just have a weird feeling that this, he's he's getting going now. So any that's, thoughts on the that's Yankees? Funny. Um yeah, so like it that is funny you mentioned him. I'm glad you mentioned him because it's easy to say like oh Yankees easy schedule. Most of your Yankees are already are already rostered. Um Aaron Hicks is probably not because he's been absolutely terrible. I actually have Aaron Hicks on my main event team still. Um he's on my bench, but I have already learned something from this segment because I didn't know he went deep tonight. So I'm yep. yeah, I am very likely to put in Aaron Hicks this weekend. Those matchups are uh those matchups are sweet, man. Juicy. Juicy matchups. Um, one easy one that you don't even need a chart to figure out is because it's logistics. Coors Field is in play this weekend. Uh, actually, no, they're in San Diego. Nope. They're at Darn San it. Diego. But they've they got a really four they, So they've got it's four games, yep. but they've got a uh, it's tough. They're at San Diego and it's uh, it's Musgrove on Friday. It's Clevenger. It's Mackenzie Gore on Saturday. They got the double header. And then Nick Martinez, who has been great in 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 certain stretches on Sunday. So like Road Rockies, a lot of times you're not starting the fringe Road Rockies. Like I always think of like Jose Iglesias as the, the kind of the prime example of someone you want to start on Coors Weeks and bench on the road. But like even your better Rockies, um, that's a that's a pretty brutal weekend slate, even though it is four games. Um, my, my favorite slate, actually, even though they don't have the, the easiest rating according to HQ's uh, tool here, is is San Diego, though, just because on the flip side, they face Colorado pitching and they get that fourth game. And so I actually might my, my hitter pick this week. Well, I mean, we'll, I guess, get to him later, but I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it. It's Haseon Kim uh, for that reason, uh, playing every day at shortstop and get the four games. Colorado's throwing out Chad Cool, who's been who's been actually been pretty good, but then Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez, and uh, Feltner. Ryan Feltner, who actually started out okay but got lit up his last time out. So like that's a matchup. If you if there are any Padres with that fourth game available against uh, against that Rocky staff, like that's something I'm definitely looking at for for this week. There's a couple ratings I was kind of surprised by, but uh, computers are a lot smarter than I am. Uh, Houston at Miami or against Miami has a very solid rating. And so does Cincinnati at St. Louis uh, being in that ballpark surprised me a bit because uh, definitely a pitcher's ballpark. And since he uh, will be facing, uh, I don't know who Palante is, but then Wainwright and Dakota Hudson's hittable. So that's not the worst matchup, but the ballpark uh, su- surprised me a bit. And then with the Houston situation, they get Pablo Lopez, Garrett and Edward Cabrera. So that could be like a total boomer bust situation there for Houston. So any thoughts on those two matchups? Yeah. And actually one thing it's, it's good. You mentioned like, so to go back to Houston, um, these ratings are basically, so at HQ we do, uh, and Bubba, you write the Friday daily matchups thing where we've got a, uh, an algorithm that is, you know, tested and valid. I mean, it, it's, it's got a pretty good track record. It's all um, starting pitcher based. And so typically when what we're doing with these, with this tool is we're kind of flipping that around and saying, okay, what are the ratings for the pitchers against these teams this weekend? 
And so what you'll find sometimes is like your elite hitting teams, like your Houston, they always get a pretty good rating because they are Houston and they, they hit well. So the pitchers against them aren't rated as high, if that makes sense. So typically like your Yankees, your Houston, even though Yankees are like legitimately a really easy schedule this weekend, um, there is some of that. And on the flip side too, where like your really bad lineups, they're, they're kind of always um, a little bit lower than what the, the, the strict matchup might be. So um, makes just a lot a, of sense. A little disclaimer there, if if that does make sense. Yeah. Uh, one of the better matchups of the week, and this one stands out to me big time, is Philadelphia at home. Always a good ballpark to hit in against the, the struggling D backs. Got Zach Gallon, who's been kind of scuffling of late. Mad Bum's a disaster. And then you have Luke Weaver, who I've never been a fan of. He's just a pitch to contact guy these days for me. So I think if you can get your Phillies in, that would be a captain obvious thing to do. And maybe an Ola Bill Herrera is out there. I, I don't know who would actually be out there for Philadelphia. Maybe Bryson Stock could be out there. We'll talk about him in a minute. That's uh, my pick for the week. So there's a few options there in Philly. Yep. Um, on the flip side, there are some really brutal matchups. So like the Cubs are one of the worst ones because I mean, we just talked about the Yankees, but the Cubs are facing the Yankees who we talk a lot about the Yankees hitting, but the Yankees pitching has just been ridiculous, um, ridiculous this year. Mm-hmm. Um Miami has a brutal schedule. They are at Houston, which we kind of just talked about. They get Luis Garcia on Friday. So they skip Verlander, but they get Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, and Christian Javier. Like that's a really tough, um, a tough weekend. And then Pittsburgh, another one. Again, kind of like I was mentioning um, a little bit because it's Pittsburgh, but they still face on Friday Spencer Strider. Charlie Morton on Saturday and then Kyle Wright Sunday. So like if you've got any fringe guys on, on Pittsburgh, on Miami, on, on the Cubs. um, And like I mentioned Colorado, like those are guys you want to, uh, to avoid. And, and I know like batters on those teams are probably available on your waiver wire for this weekend. And if you're in a daily league, like you probably want to, uh, you want to fade those guys and not pick those guys up this weekend. It's just uh, some pretty brutal matchups there. For sure. So that's just a little glimpse on things. If you guys have more questions, we can like do deeper dives or do something different. Let us know what you guys are looking for, but that's just kind of the basics. And you can like, there's a lot of, we obviously didn't even mention, but maybe half the teams. So there's a lot of things you can dig into, check out and get you ready because it might sound silly to many, but um, either in daily leagues or if you're in NFPC biweekly leagues, it's like Aaron Hicks, all of a sudden I haven't been a ton of DCs. He will probably be in lineups that he has not been in in a long time. Just won't be. But uh, it's just little things like that that make uh, decisions a little easier when you can break it down uh, matchup dependent. Yep. Hicks is uh, and Hicks is 21% rostered in uh, NFBC 12 teams. So he's pretty much widely available. Yep. Go get him, folks. Have some fun. Be ready to be disappointed with me because I'm going to be with you. Don't you worry. Like, I, I yeah, love it. You, didn't, you was... didn't pick him, though. So you're, uh, you're yeah, hedging a little bit. He was my, he's my runner up. He's my runner up. And I'll explain why in a minute here. So let's talk about our picks, which I just uh, got rid of here. So your hitter pick of the week, you mentioned already. Why don't you break down why you like Mr. Kim? Uh, mostly just every everyday playing time. So he's been at shorts. I think he got the night off on Wednesday or Thursday this week. But that's, I think, Kim played eight games in a row um before that so um love the love the stable playing time love the matchup against colorado pitching and then also love um love that fourth game he may not i mean he may not play all four and maybe he doesn't play both of the of the double header um 
but maybe he does play all four pinch hit in that in that fourth game and the, the skills for Kim have been pretty pretty good I mean he's hitting 207 which isn't all that great but four homers three steals uh that lineup's great so he's getting those those runs RBI I just think he's making enough contact that uh um against that pitching that uh I, I think he's gonna rack up some counting stats this weekend I, th- I think he's gonna outperform your boy yeah, you could, and you got the four. You got the extra game advantage. You might actually have two games advantage because I took Bryson Stott, yep. and uh, one reason why I almost took Hicks is Hicks is a switch hitter, so he's got no platoon issues. Where Stott could potentially sit versus Madbum. That's that's an option. We'll see how that plays out. But um, I wanted to roll with Stott for a couple of reasons. He's obviously heating up. Four hits in his last game. He's hit safely in five of his last seven. Uh, he's only striking out 18% of the time. I say only because that's actually a massive improvement for Bryson Stott mm-hmm. over the last week. Since basically his last call-up, we've seen a different guy hitting 385, three home runs, um, even stole a bag. But we're doing a counting stats game. And over those last seven games, he has three homers, 10 runs scored, and eight RBIs. That is a nice counting stat. Um, where Hicks was more of a run scored and not much else at the point in time. That can obviously change with the Yankees and the matchups they have this weekend. But I like what Bryson Stott's doing. They want this guy to succeed. They've brought him back and forth a few times, um, and now he's actually hitting, and the Phillies are hitting. They went off in Milwaukee this week. Mm-hmm. That offense is so dynamic. It's almost like a domino effect. Once one guy starts hitting, they're all going to start just raking. It feels like and that's what they're doing right now. So I'm going with uh, Bryson Stott because um, he's going to get to start against Zach Gallon, who I, like I mentioned, struggling. Maybe he still gets to face Mad Bum because he's just that bad. But Luke Weaver is very gettable, very gettable. So um, I, I will take some Bryson Stott on this one just for the upside of the counting stats over Aaron Hicks. That was my my separation point. But he might only play two games, so this could be very interesting. The thing is, like, yeah, like I just think from a developmental standpoint, like if you're going to – if you want to see what you have with Bryson Stott against lefties, like you got to play, play him against Bum. Especially against Mad Bum. He's not like he's going to overpower exactly. you. Exactly. So we'll see. Um but, but yeah, we'll see. Who is your pitcher this week? Because it's funny, he's gonna face your hitter. Yeah. So I felt uh I felt so there weren't for, many options. I'll I'll preface that real quick to people. I will for 50% off, as not well. <laughs> I was going through the under 50%. Uh, and I saw your pick. I took the first hitter pick, so I, I I I gave you the floor for I gave you the wheel. So you took the second hitter and the first pitcher. Um, your pick was someone who I was definitely looking at, but yeah, under 50% rostered in 12 teamers on the pitching side was really brutal there were i mean you mentioned earlier dakota hudson i was looking at like keegan thompson but those guys just do not strike anybody out so um i went with herman marquez i know it's a little bit of a two-face here because they are playing san diego and i went with kim on that side but i just think even though the swinging strike rate is down herman marquez is not the pitcher he used to be i kind of feel like he's the lesser of 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 two evils um, or multiple evils, I guess. And a lot of evils in this case uh, with the pitching pool. So um, I just think he's got the most strikeout upside of anyone uh, lightly owned. Doesn't mean like I'd still be really, um, really, really not starting him in, in an actual fantasy league against San Diego. San Diego is just too good. Um, and they're at home, but I think, I think Marquez at least racks up a few K's had seven strikeouts his last time at San Francisco. So, um, at least the potentials there. I actually like your pick once I saw it. Cause I, I did my picks. I went out to do some stuff and I loaded the page up before we recorded. I'm like for the games theory of this, that's a smart pick. Cause he strikes guys out. He might get shelled, but he could probably get you five K's where my pick Ross Stripling 
who I think is the better pitcher with the better matchup, he might not go deep enough. Like he was super efficient to go five innings last time, but he only had two strikeouts. Like if he gets five Ks, he might only go three innings, but we'll see. Five Ks is still pretty nice. Uh, he's facing the, the Tigers. He strike out 25% of the time on the season versus right-handed pitching. So that's a plus. But um, Stripling is not the most overpowering strikeout guy. So you might actually have the upper hand on this one. My guy might like, – if we did if we did earn dollars for a game or something, Stripling would probably be the guy. But Marquez might win this in the strikeout department. So that's a pretty like, – like you said, I wouldn't start Marquez this weekend. I'd start Stripling. But for our purpose, I think you got the better option. I'll be honest. So. Yeah, the thing was tripling, and maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe we do something like DraftKings points or something instead of uh, instead of just strikeouts. But for this week, we're just roll with it. again. This yeah. is uh, people. This is this is Fluid. trying things on the fly and seeing what works and and what doesn't. So again, uh, let us know. The, the thing was tripling. I actually picked up tripling in a bunch of spots this week because he had the two step, um, and uh, I, I did not think he would pitch long enough. Um, that was my, my reservation with Stripling was he had only thrown 40 pitches. He's he's going into the rotation from uh, the bullpen through 40 pitches and 38 pitches in his last two relief outings. Bumped that up to 56 pitches and actually went five innings at Kansas City. Got the win. Um, so, yeah, I just worry about like the total batter's face for Stripling uh, this weekend. He might go like 60, 70 pitches. Um, so we'll see that will, that thing I will say, and I think I mentioned this last time, but, um, a little bit of a pitch mix change with that change up. It changes pretty good. And he faded his fastball getting ground balls, which isn't going to help your strikeouts, but, uh, at least missing a few more bats and should be stretched out a little bit more for this one. So, um, so we'll see. And the one more, one other thing I'll say with stripling, it has nothing to do with this weekend, but you mentioned you picked him up. I picked him up as well. And if those, if people don't listen to my other show on Tuesdays where we recap fab stuff, um, I mentioned that he was one of the guys I targeted more than some other two-step guys because Stripling's actually going to stay in the rotation and he's mm-hmm. actually going to be serviceable going forward on a very good team. On a good where, team. Yep. We're like Pil- Pilkington or some of the guys like it's literally play a one-week thing and you're going to you're going to bounce. So that's just like I wanted to re- like rehash it here real quick is I'm with you. I knew I was concerned. Okay, he might not go deep enough. It is what it is. But this was more of a long game with Stripling than it was with some other uh, potential two-star streamers. So if he's out there for you guys, he's probably actually going to still be serviceable going forward, except like when he plays the Yankees or something. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, Pilkington, Pilkington. He, Pilkington might be toast, man. He uh, he goes to Colorado next week, so he yeah, might see be. you, buddy. See, ya. I know uh, he didn't he didn't deliver on uh, which which by the way, happy birth. I should have mentioned this at the beginning. Happy Toby. birthday to Toby. Yep, uh, your your excellent co-host on on the the early week show. He was asking one for his birthday present he asked it was like 10 different pictures but yeah. one of them was pilkington uh who was it's like one of the only ones who and cole like it was not good he had, oh, he, had that's a rough right. he did have cole yeah so it, it's a good thing he's enjoying tons of desserts because that's what toby does so yeah. toby, <laughs> do not do not he's probably checking his team he'll be he'll be chocolate wasted right now so it'll, he'll be okay um happy birthday man yes happy birthday toby uh 40 years old 40 years old. I remember Let's, I forgot how old I was last time. But. Yeah, I always forget. I only saw it because his wife took over his Twitter account and tweeted out that he's 40, so I laughed. Let's talk bloom boards. This is what everybody really comes here for. The bloom boards are awesome. And you did this last year, and I loved it. Like the the mulligan, like if you took the guy's one bad start, like Giolito had the horrific Boston mm-hmm. Marathon start. Like what's yep. what, what do we look like? And um, it really brings into perspective how like just one bad outing can – change everything and a pitcher can still be pretty good and you just got to kind of eat it i guess and so you did it again uh with this one two months into the season let's take a, a mulligan on some guys a bat like the one bad start 
and then what the Mulligan ERA is. And it, it's pretty awesome. So before we go into names, if you want to elaborate on my kind of uh, synopsis of what the Bloom Board is. No, man, you nailed it. I mean, I, I typically run this and I read an article with my own thoughts on a bunch of these guys for, for HQ. And that came out this past Wednesday. But yeah, I feel like around the two month point, and this actually started the first time I ever did this was after the 2020 season, which obviously was was two months. It's just a good like most of these guys have around 10 starts right now. And so it's just a decent like point, a decent milestone to um, to look at. Like you've got enough of a sample, uh, but it's also a small enough sample where one bad start really does like throw off. Uh, your numbers and so like the obvious the obvious retort to this is like yeah you can't just throw out their bad outing it happened um, for a lot of these guys they were in your active lineup when it happened and sure absolutely uh, but these guys are humans and some of these guys like when some of the guys will dig into a little bit like there's context and reasons for some of these um, mm-hmm. bad starts and it's just interesting to see like we we just look at era um and and just one start can change can change everything and really like depending on when that bad start happens um can really like overweigh um stats throughout the season then and, and guys are pitching a lot better than you would really think just because uh of one bad start so that's the general synopsis i think i think i should like maybe next year it's a lot harder from like a data standpoint but i probably should take their best start out as well take their worst you know figure skating style or whatever take their best take their worst and then see who improves the most just to make it a little bit more fair but whatever it's interesting to talk about for sure for sure and we'll start with one uh, everyone's darling it was the cover boy of your spectator speculator article uh tyler mcgill 441 era on the season but that last start before he went on the il only one inning eight earned runs if you take that little stint out, he has a two four three ERA. I think we all know how good Tyler is, Siler, as he was named at one point in time. And he's supposed to return in the next uh, few days, potentially. So we might get to see him again. But the, what do you have on him if, if you dug in some more or not? But it was basically the injury start that uh, did it for him. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, And that's where I mentioned like context. Like, It turns out he was – I don't know if he was pitching hurt or if he hurt himself during that start or whatever – um he went to the il with biceps and has not been back i think he's actually coming back this weekend i put him yeah, in he's, my he's supposed so. to come back this weekend yes yeah I, I i did put him in so he probably won't be he'll probably get pushed till monday but um but no uh tyler mcgill a 441 era and before that last start again you could argue he was hurt or, or whatever he had a 243 era so like that's a two run difference um and if you're just staring at tyler mcgill in shallow league saying 441 era uh, i think he's a heck of a lot better uh than that and i think a lot of i mean that 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 start is going to hurt all year even if he pitches well the rest of the season like um that just leaves a mark to give up eight and runs in under two innings but um but yeah, he was the guy who came all the way to the top. He's the one out of any pitcher in baseball. If you take one start away, he had the biggest difference in ERA, and a lot of that's because I think he only had five or six starts. But uh, yeah, but yeah, that's that's leaving a brutal mark right now. I want to mention Tanner Houck, uh, three five four ERA. Yeah, on uh, May fifth, only went two and he's allowed seven runs. You take that out, he's got two point one one ERA. What I wanted to mention with Tanner Houck is we know how good he is, but he's also pitching out of the bullpen and 
he's going into that uh, Garrett Whitlock role. So he's going to be like either opener, behind an opener. Uh, he's going to have actually a pretty fantasy relevant role is why I wanted to bring up Tanner Houck for a second. And you take out that big blow up. He could be a ratio darling going down the stretch here. Wished him strikeout appeal. So what's your thoughts on this Tanner Houck situation? Yeah, like the last few, and, and actually shout out uh, Greg Jewett, reliever recon folks. They sent something out about um, about Hauk. I think last week, maybe two weeks ago, even at this time, they were ahead of the game on Hauk as a high leverage reliever because I mean Boston needs it. Um, but last three appearances for Tanner Hauk out of the pen, six strikeouts, one walk in five innings. Like he's pitching multiple innings. Um, that is something where like he's going to get wins that way, especially on a Boston team that's competitive. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be the full-time closer. I don't think that's how they're going to, they're going to use him. I think, like you said, Bob, it's going to be more of a Whitlock thing, like a fireman, but, but two, three innings at a time in relief that has a ton of value. Um, And he's got like, I mean, the fastball slider, it's really the slider, which for how, when he was a starter, this season wasn't that great, but if he can lean into that thing full time and, and kind of go all out for two, three inning stints, he's got the stuff to, uh, to make this work. So, so yeah, really interesting, um, really interesting guy. And yeah, you take that seven earned run outing out from May 5th and that 354 ERA dropped to 211. So um, pretty much every other start or every other appearance has been really good. Been very, very good. So he's definitely got to look at and if, uh, especially your deeper leagues, but I, I even do it in 12-team leagues. Like, if, if you can't find someone to stream, Hauk is a phenomenal guy to put in for the mm-hmm. week. Like, he can really help you out in a lot of ways. So, it's just something to keep in mind as the season gets uh, – as the ball keeps flying the way it is these days, as things have changed over the last couple weeks to a month of baseball. Uh, Christian Javier is a fun one because I love the talent of Christian Javier. I know I'm not alone in that in that ilk. But 3-2-2 ERA, people would be pretty pumped on that. But on May 14th, four innings pitch, seven earned. And if you really want to go deeper, his last outing, three and two-thirds innings, five earned runs. But that one's yeah. still on the ledge here. Um, but you take out that seven earned run outing, and he has a, a one nine eight ERA. He gets strikeouts. He's been filthy. Uh, Christian Javier has been pretty darn good, Ryan. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I so that my criteria for even making this list is was uh, a bad start. Was anything six earned runs or more? And you could only have one of those. Like, yeah. you can't start going, you know, yeah, if you take out his three worst, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but Javier, like, so Christian Javier had that seven earned run start, the five earned run start, like you mentioned. Every other appearance has been two earned runs or fewer. And he's only had two earned runs once. So everything outside of that has been one earned run or fewer. So, um, Really good stuff, despite a bad, um, a bad outing. Houston knows what they're doing with pitchers. It's twelve point seven percent swinging strike rate. Um, the skills are there. I, I do worry. I worry a little bit about the control and the fly ball rate. Uh, it's going to make him susceptible to homers. It won't hurt his whip that much. But uh, if if the ball starts flying this summer, that's something to watch out for. But um, I mean, he's proven on it in an organization that knows what they're doing with pitching that. Uh, that uh, he'll be he'll be just fine despite the uh, despite the, the the two rough outings we'll say. Yeah, definitely. I'm a, I'm a big fan. If they could teach Jose Arquiti how to do that, that'd be mm-hmm. pretty darn awesome. But he's just been a mess. Um, the Cubbies have two on the list: Justin Steele, but the one I wanted to focus more on is Keegan Thompson, which stood out in a big way right here and on the season of three one seven ERA. And he started the season in the pen. He's been stretched out. He's like five or his last five or six of his last se- six or seven outings have been starts. 
uh, on June 7th, his last outing, three innings, seven earned. But if you take that one out, a 199 ERA. He's been incredibly efficient. Uh, strikeouts haven't been over the moon. Three, four strikeouts, more starts. Uh, so it's not like he's lighting the world on fire there. But pretty productive stuff there from Keegan Thompson. I know you said you didn't want to pick him in the game this week. Not a big strikeout <laughs> guy. But uh, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I, I passed on I'm I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm. Um, he, he, he gets ground balls. Like the ground ball rate has been really good, but just not missing enough bats. Like anytime I see a single digit swinging strike rate uh, for somebody who d- isn't really stretched out. I mean, I guess he threw 89 pitches against St. Louis, but um, I think he's pitching over his head despite the bad outing. So he's actually one guy who like, and again, with these boards, I always say they're, they're the, they're the start of your dive, not just yep. hey, this is a list of everyone I like. So um, I just, I, I, I don't see it with Thompson. I, I want to see more whiffs before I, uh, before I get in. And since the surface stats are so good, I'm not getting in. So. Yep, we share a lot of similarities. I like strikeouts. I need strikeouts. So if the blow up happens, at least I get something out of this. You get something. Yep. Uh, Corey Kluber is another guy. Not a lot of strikeouts, but been crazy efficient. 3880 ERA on the season. On May 10th, gave up eight runs in three innings. Otherwise, I'd have a 273 ERA. And if you look at his recent production, man, it's more often than not five plus innings. When he, when he goes out there, he's getting you four or five Ks most starts, sometimes a little more. He's been really good. Not, not, not Cy Young, Corey Kluber, but pretty darn efficient. Like better than I gave him credit for. Uh, what's your thoughts when you look at Corey Kluber? Yeah, and he's one where, like, I bet pretty much everyone wrote off Corey Kluber after that eight earn run outing, right? Yeah. Um, it was at the Angels. The Angels were actually a good team way back when, if you if you can recall uh, being old enough when the Angels were good. <laughs> um, but that since that eight earn run outing, yeah, two earn runs against Detroit, okay, whatever. Two earn runs at Baltimore, okay, but then one earned run against the Yankees, one earned run at Texas, and three earn against St. Louis. So like, it hasn't just been like totally easy matchups the entire time. He's actually been doing pretty good against good lineups. Um, and again, perception, like that's the, that's the big thing I want to kind of drive home with this board is like, you see that ERA spike after the eight and run outing. Um, I don't think many people know how good Corey Kluber has been. Um, over the last month. So um, that's the kind of stuff where um, you get that one bad outing and it makes everything look bad, but he's actually been a lot better than you think uh, lately. Yeah, a lot better than, than I uh, would have given him credit for. Pretty impressive from the guy. I thought he was pretty much a done dealer at worst. Would have been kind of like Walker last year where they go four, maybe five innings. Like I never thought he'd actually have a full-time thing, which pretty darn impressive right now yeah and he i mean we'll see like he is 36 True. like we'll see how how in. deep yeah. he goes into the season but um um i, I mean for now right i mean again i i may i appeal to authority like tampa if tampa thinks he's good enough to kind of stick around and, and and do what he's doing then um i'm okay with him too i'm with you on that one uh hunter green 540 era on the season on may 5th three or eight earned in three innings would have lowered him a 4-3 ERA. It's been a, an up-and-down season for Hunter Green, to say the least. One thing he does too well, though, is strike a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a tough one. Like I've even, I even heard Jeff Erickson and Mr. Red talk about him being a streamer for right now. Like It's tough to play him consistently. Uh, when you look at Hunter Green, how do you approach this? Because he gets a ton of strikeouts, which is very, very valuable. But his ratios are not kind at all. Yeah, and I, th- I saw somewhere I want to give – proper attribution but i uh, saw somewhere it was a um list of like the worst fastballs 
Uh, and... Eric Cross put out the best okay. and worst. Yeah. So Cross put, yep, that's right. Eric Cross put it out there. Yeah. So I think it was Patrick Sandoval with like one of the worst, worst ones, which by far, yeah, which was surprising, but um, super surprising list. to me yeah. was Hunter Green was on that. That list. was the first like, name I saw too. I was like, exactly. what? <laughs> yeah like all i mean that's it's velocity is not everything uh yeah. movement how much you rely on it that sort of thing so i just thought that was interesting um yeah. that said like hunter green his last two starts at boston against arizona 16 k's no walks it's pretty good mm-hmm. um is if, if we if we take that out a little bit further his last four starts that there's an at toronto in there that's against the cubs it is 28 to four strikeout to walk to someone who's been a little bit better lately since that uh, really pretty much disaster at Milwaukee with that, with the eight earned. And actually that eight earned came right after four earned runs and four innings at Coors Field. So Hunter Green went through that rough patch there in, in early mid May um, and has been again, similar to Kluber. Uh, definitely different style, but uh, a lot better um, over his last four starts here. So we'll and see. and six or more strikeouts and ten of eleven starts. Like he's yep. he's at least giving you something to write home about. Like as bad as his walk rate is, he still nearly has a twenty percent K to walk. Like that's that's pretty pretty wild stuff. His I definitely do want to like number. Yeah. yeah yeah I definitely. I definitely do want to like Eric's tweet really that that was so surprised. I, I definitely want to dig into Hunter Green a little more like pitch level wise, but yeah, um, I will not fumble around and do I, that. I, um, I apologize yeah. immediately, but HQ has that great writer that writes about uh, pitchers. Tanner Smith. Tanner Smith. Say, that might be one report. to put a birdie in his ear on. Yeah, that's a good call. Just actually, throwing that out there because <laughs> he does great work. He does amazing. Yes. Does great work on that stuff. It's way above my freaking level. So if I can read it, a lot better than me trying to figure it out. So the way he does it, like that'd be a good one for him to maybe cool. dig in on. Just throwing it out there. This is stuff we just talk about off the air, people. But it just dawned on me right now. Like, that's a good one. Tanner does um, excellent at at Tannerball twenty six on Twitter, go. guys. Uh, great yeah. follow. Check that one out. Um, any other guys that you really want like? Glenn Otto would might surprise some that aren't in oh, the know. Like he's been, yeah. we've streamed him, oh. so we know Brady Singer. Like there's a few. I've never been more relieved in my life than to get through the Glenn Otto two step last week. Yep. He got two wins out of the deal. He yep. beat Tampa. He beat Seattle. But that Seattle start five walks, went five innings, had had eight whiffs. Ugh. Like the stuff is just not there. So like, yes, he does have the one blow up against it was it was against Boston, Aaron runs. He's given up two earned runs or fewer in his other seven starts. Um, I think that's coming crashing back to earth, at least from what like, like I said, I actually cut Glenn Otto after I thanked him for his service. And <laughs> then and then dropped him after that two step just because from what I saw, it was um it was pretty, pretty ugly. Um, one other name who's on here, and I kind of made a, a point of this in the article, is, is Zach Wheeler. Um, I mean, we all know Zach Wheeler is is really good. Whoever has Zach Wheeler right now, like you're not trading for, like you're, I mean, you're just riding with him. Um, it's just this example where like Wheeler gave up uh, seven earn in the second start of the season. And so he's somebody who his year-to-date ERA has looked really bad uh, for a little while, up until like a start or two ago. 
Um, and so this was just kind of the point of like when that bad start happens affects your perception of a player. I, 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 I can imagine there were some, some tweets, some takes out there after the second, third start of the season that Zach Wheeler was cooked, the shoulder problems, that sort of thing. And um, maybe I was one of them. I don't know um, because shoulder problems do scare me, but like Zach Wheeler, 935 ERA after his second start of the season. Here's his year-to-date ERA after each start. So 935, down to 850, down to 578, down to 409, 426 after his sixth start, but then 349, 337, 315, 314. So he's sitting at a 314 ERA, and after every start up until now, it's been a lot higher than that. So um, it's just kind of interesting to, like, make an example of, of Wheeler and just show, like, as someone goes through the season, as they kind of recover from that bad start, um what their era kind of looks like but yeah on the whole wheeler 314 era would be 215 era without that uh second start of the season uh loop in there when he was ramping up he's been filthy he's been darn filthy i'll I'll take an l on him i during draft season i was i was was, yeah i was all Full fade with that shoulder, but uh, everybody remember, check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. He has the whole bloom board there, and you can check it out. There's some great names on there. Aaron Ashby has been a beast. Carlos Cookie Carrasco, Rodon, Merrill Kelly, uh, some injured brewers, and many more. So, um, Which brewers out- aren't aren't injured at this point on the pitching side? Yeah, no doubt about that. So it's a, it's a good stuff, that's for sure. Uh, let's take a couple listener questions here, and then we will... Oh, I lost him. Ryan left. He hit his button and left. I've done that before. I've done that many times. He'll be back shortly. I promise. Once he realizes what he did. <laughs> yep. Hey, been there, done that. Don't you worry. <laughs> rookie move. I know it's episode yep. 10, but, but I've done that move. before, uh, but he's back. I, t- I told him it wouldn't be long. He'll figure it out real quickly. Um, we got three listener questions to get us through here. Ken White, he asks, can you please discuss how much fluffy Pilkington sucks? He has gotten <laughs> rocked tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's, he is who he thought we were, and we let him off the hook. <laughs> I, I believe this may have been sent mid-game, so maybe yep. some frustration coming out. Uh, Pilkington, yeah, it, it it honestly, he did not look that great. Um, and the start before this was the eight strikeout, zero walk. Like, it looked really good. But. <laughs> yeah it's i don't know pilkington i'm glad he's a real person i'm glad i got to see him i don't know if he'll be on my team next week it it, it might, it's gonna hurt because i probably spent i got him on a lot of teams and maybe like 30 35 bucks in fab i don't know what you what you spent for him but um it kind of hurts i don't, I don't have him anywhere oh, you don't have him i didn't put bids in on him yeah, man. I wanted no unless he puts a, a monocle like the Monopoly man in his eye because that's what he sounds like. He's from that era. I had nothing to do with him. <laughs> so ju- um, Scott Jenstead, Scott Jenstead had the ultimate uh, comp for Connor Pilkington, calling him a Judge Smells Caddy. Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> it was so good, so good. It was perfect. I was dying at that yeah. one. Um, yeah, but yeah, just kind of. I don't know. He got screwed. Like uh, Cleveland had a. Uh, their Monday game got rained out and then they went with Quantrill on Tuesday, Wednesday. They went with some dude I have never heard of instead of Pilkington. So I was suspicious again, that Pilkington did not exist. And then he went today. And like I said, at Colorado next week, it's uh, I don't know, maybe I'll hold him, but if there's nothing on the wire this weekend, we'll see. But um, he's, he's very high on my drop list. So um, yeah. I get you. I get you. Uh, Matthew Vandenbrand says five by five player analysis question. 
During your off-season research, you can use only five stats for evaluating pitchers and hitters each. Which are your preferences, i.e. pitchers, K to walk, K percentage, swinging strike, home run to fly ball, Sierra, et cetera. Feel free to drop some HQ metrics if you feel like it. Um, so honestly, my honest answer is five is probably too much. Um, I think at least for pitchers, at least for pitchers, we'll talk about hitters, I guess in a sec, but, um, I try to keep things simple on the pitching side, like strikeout minus walk. We did a board of that last week. Like that's, that's the number one. That's the one. Yeah. Um, if you want to add an ERA estimator next to that, I would recommend that. Baseball HQ uses their own version of XERA, which is similar to XFIP in that it assumes largely that um, batted, batted ball quality is outside of a pitcher's control. So we normalize the home run rates um, like we do with XFIP. So um, those are the two big ones. I would use strikeout minus walk. I would use XERA. And then a third one that I would use, it's not really a metric, but um, it's something that I just kind of whipped up. It's called, I, I just call it change score. It's basically it's basically quantifying how much a pitcher changed their pitch mix from year to year. And so like a high change score means that they change their pitch mix a lot. And the skills that, because we talk about regression all the time, like, I mean, and regression is the greatest force in our game, but I think pitchers can reinvent themselves uh, by changes in pitch mix, by changes in velocity. And by quantifying that, by quantifying change score and velocity, um, you can put more weight into a recent performance, in my opinion. If someone really, if their skills surged because their velocity was up or they found a new pitch, faded a bad pitch, I'm much more willing to kind of think what they did last year will stick. So um, those are my kind of my big three. I would say strikeout minus walk and ERA mes- estimator and some kind of way to evaluate pitch mix changes to see um, you know which one you should weight the most. That's impressive that you made a, a the change metric because it makes a ton of sense. It's one thing that uh, we talk about a lot in, in spring training is, is there a pitch mix change? Is there mm-hmm. an increased velocity? Those are the kind of things you can pick up on and, and realize that, okay, maybe this guy stunk last year. Like you said, he reinvented himself. There's a difference uh, to try. We talk about hitters getting new stances or working with new hitting coaches or this, that, and the other. This is how pitchers change themselves. It's simple. And uh, we've seen it time and time again before Glassnow got hurt. He started throwing a hook and it was crazy. Like, and that mm-hmm. came back. I was anti Glassnow because he's a two pitch guy. I'm on until he gets a third pitch. Don't want anything to do with him. Well, he developed a third pitch and he was filthy, like absolutely filthy. Maybe that's what made his arm almost fall off. I don't know. But uh, it's like you, you, we talk about with Paddock and he started doing it and he got hurt. But uh, maybe it's a bad example. But um, you, you, you need that third pitch, maybe some other. Um, recipe for mixing it up as you say is maybe not go as heavy fastball now you're using more sliders and change-ups and less fastballs like when uh, sandy alcantara started using his mm-hmm. pitch mix yep. change no that's he, a good mid-season last year yeah, yeah he's an example that actually didn't get hurt so i'll tell i'll say sandy alcantara is one you can definitely point to Gialito, i mean giolito is the giolito from yeah. like two three years, years ago, ago yeah. is the exact because not only was it a pitch mix change it was an organization change like he was with chicago fresh yep. start picked up some velocity totally redid his pitch mix and uh people who and that was like an in-season thing too where even two or three starts into the season giolito looked really good and had the pitch mix change and people bought in and that was a league winner so yeah great call there uh for hitters what do you use because i'm with you pitchers it's almost keep it simple that's what i would say like don't get too crazy yeah. with pitchers because there's so much variation with pitchers so uh, hitters what do you look at 
Um, honestly, the biggest thing is like, I don't know if this is a skill or a metric or whatever, but just playing time. I think that's the biggest it's a, thing. It's a big one. And that's a whole game in itself, trying to, uh, trying yeah, to pick that stuff. But, um, no, I mean, basically hitters put the ball in play, make hard contact. So strikeout rate, K percentage. Um, and then I like to look at barrel rate, uh, for power. I, I think, uh, I think barrel rate has been proven to be a really good indicator for, um, home runs and then if it's five by five which is the question you need something for speed speed is so hard to gauge though uh the the one thing i would i would use with that is just stolen base success rate so your your stolen base is divided by your total attempts because like i always go back to like the paul goldschmidt example like you may want to use sprint speed or time to first or whatever the the kind of the fancy stack cast stuff but sometimes people just know how to read pitchers and steal bases and goldschmidt stole like 30 bases that one year and isn't really that fast he's not slow but he's not fast so um the other thing with stolen base success rate is that will also dictate whether or not you have a green light right so like if you get thrown out all the time you're obviously not going to uh, be allowed to steal and so i think that number is around like 75 percent is kind of your your not point of no return but the kind of the break-even point is the word i'm looking for so anybody above 75 percent they're actually contributing value by running and thus may run more in the future anyone below 75 percent consistently uh will not so uh stolen base success rate is something i would look at uh for uh for speed and there's a good HQ metric on that too, so that's definitely something to uh, our expected steals and stuff like that. They have some good good metrics there in the in the speed department. Um, two things: uh, barrel rate's one of my favorite ones to look at. Like you said, that's a, that's a great one. And if it's one of those that I kind of still have questions on a hitter, I'll do barrel or, ho- or home runs per barrel, barrel, barrel per home runs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the home run percentage, because then you can kind of tell if it's fluky or not. Because yep. there's certain guys like there's we, we've done it on other shows is. More often than not, I think it's like somewhere between 58 and 61% of like all barrels or home runs. It varies each year, but it's somewhere in that range more often than not. So you find that year's range, then you figure out, okay, how many did this guy do? If all of a sudden he's popping like 88%, you're like, okay, well, he got a little little lucky there, apparently. Like, is he the is he the, um, the Alex Bregman of the world? That kind of stuff. So um, it, it makes you kind of reevaluate some of those situations if some of the metrics don't line up. Uh, another one I want to mention in pitching, uh, if I want to bring an HQ one in here, if you want to go a little deeper, is uh, ball percentage. I think that's one that doesn't get talked about enough that's guys good. that just yeah. don't throw strikes, essentially. And that'll kind of help clear up some questions as well. So these are maybe more secondary stats to use once you kind of narrow down the players you like and you want to maybe narrow it down a little more. But I think ball percentage is, is a very interesting one that kind of tells a different picture of how things are going out there for a pitcher. But uh, I like to take barrel, like home runs per barrel or whatever, and um, and elaborate on that because the barrel metric's phenomenal, but take it a little deeper and see how lucky a guy potentially was. And uh, see, see what, because we talk regression, that's a massive point of regression potentially when, when you really break it down. So something to look at as well. Yep. Just one last thing. I know we're kind of throwing out stuff, but this is kind of more like secondary. So we kind of listen. I think if you're putting these on like a cheat sheet or something, you really only want like, two or three like yeah you can get so many so many numbers on a cheat sheet and um you're in a draft and it's just like what am i even looking at uh wow the angels just won yeah iglesias just celebrated like he won the world series sounds like yeah (laughs) iglesias (laughs) legitimately yeah he won the world series oh man this is so funny 
that is that's actually really cool um one other thing that i would uh, i like to look at is and we mentioned this a lot on the pod is uh swinging strike rate for pitchers I, I i like to use it more for individual pitches just to see like uh repertoire wise which pitches are the best and that kind of ties back to my pitch mix thing but um that's also something i look at if i'm taking a deeper dive but you can get real close with just k minus walk and and a basic era estimator on the pitching side uh, next question here is Oregon do two asks, what is going on with quitter Castellanos? He must not like Nick Castellanos. That's my only guess. He's on pace for 20 homers. Thought he would do better in Philly with that lineup. I thought he would do, but uh, things have not gone well for Nicky Castellanos. I'm still not worried about Nick Castellanos. I'll tell you that much, but um, yeah, it's not been ideal. Let's put it that way. But I said it earlier in the show, the whole team's been struggling and now they're all starting to hit. So maybe Nick picks up the, uh, the poison there. We'll see. If, if we're told, maybe maybe Quitter Castellanos is his brother Nicholas. At first, I thought it was, yeah, yeah, it's a different uh, it's a little prospect. Somebody, uh, no, Castellanos will be just like I said. It's interesting. Um, so we were just talking about which metrics we use for hitters. Castellanos last year hit obviously had a huge season. Hit three oh nine. Hit thirty four homers. Um, had a 21 i'm rounding to the nearest whole number but 21 percent strikeout rate and a 10.6 percent barrel rate last year this season has a 9.9 percent barrel rate so basically the same as last year strikeout rate is up two points from 21 to 23 percent which is well within um, the range of variance this early in the season all this to say um castellanos is going to be absolutely fine i don't i don't think he's going to hit 309 again there was uh quite a bit of bad luck in that number but if you told me like 270 260 270 the rest of the way with like maybe 20 more home runs um i think that's definitely definitely doable this is if you look under the hood like this is a very similar guy what we saw last year yeah, I'm not worried about him. That ballpark gets warmer throughout the summer. Like, he's going to have some big weeks where you – like, Trevor Story, people aren't worried about anymore. Um, most aren't worried about Marcus Simeon all of a sudden. Like, it just takes one big week to put things back into perspective. So, mm-hmm. yep. two months into the season still. We got time. Uh, we have a question here in the YouTube chat before we head on out of here. Mike Genre, Genre asks, do you trust Rosny Contreras, Ronzi Contreras versus Atlanta and Edward Cabrera versus Houston this week? Two good ones right there. Yeah, two good ones. Um, from a like a pure skill standpoint, I'd lean Cabrera, but he's facing Houston, obviously, and 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 Justin Verlander, who does not give up runs. So, like your potential for a win with Edward Cabrera this weekend is um, very low. And actually, Cabrera's second start really wasn't that Dominant. great. Like he only struck out four, only had 10 whiffs on 99 pitches, only gave up the two hits, but uh, a lot of good bab up in that second start. Um, all that to say, I would go Contreras over Cabrera this weekend. The HQ matchup tool, um, again, just to, just to plug it, it's something I use all the time in my process, so I'm not just plugging it. Um, a, a 0.6 rating, which is actually pretty good for Ronzi Contreras, and then Edward Cabrera gets a, a negative 0.6. Um, so the HQ matchup tool prefers Contreras um, against Atlanta this weekend as well. So uh, just to kind of a double check there. 
Yeah, and Ronzi will be in my part of my article on Friday, if anybody's curious. So we will be mentioning him briefly. But uh, I like his upside against the Braves team, which is is a total boomer bust team right now. Like they're all or nothing. So uh, tread lightly, both tough matchups, both tough matchups. But I'd go Contreras as well for the upside with the strikeouts. But uh, we'll wrap it up there, Ryan. Another awesome episode in the books. So we got some bloom boards. We got some weekend matchups, more injuries, all the fun stuff and things. Before we head out of here, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Ah, really fun episode. I this one this one was great. Big. Uh, so one one thing I'm looking out for. I know we talk MLB all the time, but college college super regionals are this weekend in yep. my school, Virginia Tech. This is the furthest they've ever gotten. They're actually hosting a super regional. They play nice. Oklahoma Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday if if necessary. So I'm actually going to be watching quite a bit of college ball this nice. weekend. Um, I'm not a huge college baseball fan, but um, it's a lot of fun when, oh, yeah. when it gets this when it gets this late into the postseason, and obviously Omaha. So um, I'm going to be veering a little bit away from MLB this weekend and, and checking that out myself. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's definitely fun to watch, especially this time of the year. I've I've driven like Cal Poly's about an hour south of me. I've driven down there. Oh, that's yeah. where, I, that's yeah. where I saw Andrew Vaughn. Uh, with Cal and stuff, and uh, I'll check that out or go. I'm like right in the middle of like four colleges within like hour and a half away at the most. So, yeah, it's fun stuff. I, I enjoy it. It's different baseball. It's calm. It's like minor league baseball. So it's it's a good time. Except now it's a little better than minor league baseball, as you said. Yeah, a little so more intense at this point. But yeah, yeah most, you'll, you'll have some more fun. Yeah, like Stanford, they're hosting a regional. They mm-hmm. sold out their tickets, which doesn't happen very often. Like that's how pumped people are for this. So Virginia Tech yeah. sold out. It was actually like a controversy that people bought the tickets sold out in like five minutes, and now we're like two hundred bucks a seat oh, to geez. get to. Just because like we never. I mean, we. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Our man. baseball team, our 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 most notable like active players like Chad Pinder and Packy Naughton um, are the nice. guy who's been drafted earliest draft pick ever is Joe Saunders. Like we're not a baseball school. Uh, so it's just really cool to kind of um, have this run. So we'll see. It's awesome. We'll see how it goes. I'll be rooting for you. Uh, I got some golf to watch as well. Hopefully you make it to, to live in two weeks. Looking forward to it, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, so we'll, we'll wrap it up there, everybody. Make sure you check out Ryan on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. I'm on Twitter at BD Intrick. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back to you guys next week with another episode of Bubba in the Blue. from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote? Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.